Hey, welcome to another episode of this podcast. What's the name? Cabin Fever. Today we have Nicholas Un. Hi, Nick. Hi, Sandeep. Thank you very much for having me on. I am super honored. Very excited. I'm I'm very honored to have you on. You have a lot of very wow. interesting hobbies and interests that I'd like to talk about today. Ah, oh, thank you very much. Let's uh, let's begin. Go for it. So let, we'll start with the disappointing one, and we'll start with my apology. You are okay. a Liverpool fan. That is correct. I don't know whether you listened to the first episode, but I went a bit hard on Liverpool. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna start off by apologizing. Liverpool is the greatest team that ever was, ever is, and ever will be. <laughs> and uh, you're gonna win the, the win the league without even trying. So. Congratulations on that. Well, hopefully, man. Thank you for your apology and no worries at all. I've been taking jokes for so many years. I'm used to it even though we're successful now. <laughs> right. So how how long have you been a little fan? Um, since I was maybe eight to nine years old. I remember I did start off as a Arsenal fan uh, like yourself. <laughs> Um, I don't know what happened. I became a Man United fan after that. Success happened. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Well, I didn't say anything. (laughs) Okay. All right. Um, But my dad is a Liverpool fan. So he essentially influenced me to become a Liverpool fan. And I think the turning point was the Champions League win in 2005. So that's when I really started taking it seriously. And yeah, I never looked back since. Um, A lot of painful years later, here we are with some good years. So, so you basically you picked it up from the family. Yes, correct. It yeah, wasn't I, a choice. I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of have a similar, similar story. I saw so both my grandfathers, both of my mom and Whoa. my dad's side, are both Arsenal wow. fans. But I see. However, when I became an Arsenal fan, I had no idea they were Arsenal fans. Um, I see. Okay. I, Do- I became an Arsenal fan because I just liked being different. And if you remember right. the '90s, the teams that wore red dominated yeah. the league. So yeah. you had the big teams, right? You had Man United, Man United. you had Liverpool, you had Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And I found right. that Man United wore red and Liverpool wore red. And as a six-year-old, five-year-old, you can't really tell the difference. So I just like the color right. red. So when Man United played Liverpool at Old Trafford, I was a Man United fan. When Liverpool played Man United at Anfield, I was a Liverpool fan because that's the team that was wearing red. Right. Right. Oh, um, okay. Until when I was about maybe six and a half, maybe halfway through the first season of watching football. And then I was like, hey, look, this team that wears red has white sleeves. That's different. Right. <laughs> so I became an Arsenal fan. Oh, um, wow. Okay. Because it simply was easier to tell them apart from the other teams. That is such a good story. I mean, <laughs> so many people, <laughs> they make decisions based on like their family members' influence for you. Exactly. It was the color exactly. of their sleeves. And, and, and most people, you know, wouldn't want to admit, hey, I'm a glory hunter and whatnot. I am proud yeah. to admit, I picked Arsenal based on the color of their sleeves. <laughs> yeah, be proud, man. Be proud. No, so I'm curious. I'm curious. How did you get started watching football if neither of your... Did your grandparents ever... Uh, push you towards a game or anything? So, How did you not get started? really? Um, I I grew up um in kind of like a remote island, so it was just my nucleus family. Um, occasionally my my cousins would come down and visit us. So my I sister, see. who's also an Arsenal fan, but of course I did not know that at the time because I'm a six year old who doesn't know shit. Sure. Um, so my my sister <laughs> and my cousin would watch uh football together. My sister's a, uh, an Arsenal fan. My cousin's okay. a Man United fan. So they'd watch the matches and I just like watch for the sake of watching and not understand what's going on. And I you know, like I said, I just support the team that's in red um, until right, I right. found the team with white sleeves. Okay. And important question, does your dad watch football and support any team? My dad, my dad 
is a Liverpool fan, I think. You think? think so? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a Liverpool fan. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. Because I think a lot of like young people will always get their influence from their parents or like even more rarely their grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So my, my family weren't big football watchers except for maybe my sure. sister. Um, sure. Sure. So, okay. Yeah. That's how Great it story. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm gonna remember this for sure. <laughs> I mean, you could totally make a movie about like a documentary movie about how people started supporting their football clubs. It's like, oh, my dad, oh, my cousin, and then you'll be there. Oh, the color of their sleeves. <laughs> so that, that, that's a that, that's a great segue to my next topic, right? So there's a famous Arsenal movie. Um, I don't know whether mm-hmm. you've ever watched it. It's called Fever Pitch. No, I haven't seen it. Why would I? No, I'm kidding. Yes. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll say this. It's, it's a great Arsenal movie, but it's also a great okay. football movie. So it's it, it's sure. from a book written by a famous author named Nick Hornby. Um, oh, I've heard of I've heard of him. Yeah, Nick Hornby has a lot of lot of uh, famous books, but uh, I would okay. consider uh, Fever Pitch to be the best of those. So it's I a see. story of his life, basically, um, kind of how Arsenal and his personal life never are in a good state at the same time. So it's basically the story is like a diary of his life. And wow. like, this, this year Arsenal's doing really well, but my life is shit. And the next year Arsenal is shit, but suddenly my life's doing better because I have this girlfriend. So it goes back and forth, wow. back and forth and it culminates. That, it culminates. sounds like an amazing the, premise. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's a hilarious uh, book that he made to a movie that stars uh, Colin Firth. So not unknown oh, actors as well. So, yeah. So it's a it, fiction it, movie. Well, it's not it's fiction. Not a Arsenal actually won the league. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. What, what, I, what I meant to say was <laughs> it's, it's, it's a non-documentary. Because it, it starts it's not, Colin it's, Firth. It's, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not a documentary. So Colin okay. Firth plays the character that is technically Nick Hornby. I so see. for Nick okay. Hornby, it's a story of his life, technically. Right, right, but right, right. Okay. In a, in a, in the movie form, yeah, it's a fictional character. I see. I see. Okay, yeah. okay. No, that's not what I meant when I said yeah. the fiction. <laughs> like, so, I, I'm yeah. sure it definitely happened yeah, that so, Arsenal won the league. Yeah. So the so the 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 term fever pitch comes from the combination of the 1989 season when Arsenal beat Liverpool at Anfield. I right, see. So yes. that's when like it it's his peak. His life is at his worst misery. But Arsenal I see, I finally see. win the league. So it's a really, okay. really good movie. Yeah, if you get a chance, you should watch it. I, I will actually, after that explanation. I'm inspired now. Yeah. I, I really think that you should m- make more movies about football-related events. Like I don't know, is there a movie about the Invincible season or there, uh, any there of your There is not. That's actually a really interesting topic. So, okay, so for the viewers that don't know, Nick's a really big movie buff. Um, he has a YouTube channel where he analyzes movies and um, I think That's he right. contributes to a podcast as well. Where Thank you for the plug. Watches. <laughs> but I'm just trying to explain right, why we are talking about movies and why out of sudden this conversation is happening. But yeah, I, I would yeah. say some, some good sports movies. Funnily enough, I would say good sports movies are bad sports stories in the sense that mm. the best sports movies I feel are also somewhat fictional in the sense they changed how the real story happened. So a great example uh, is The Blind Side, which is a right. really good movie. But I think if, so you're too. A, if you're a football fan, you know that's not what really happened. You I know? see. Okay, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, and really. that the, if I remember correctly, the character that Sandra Bullock plays, 
uh-huh. came under a lot of scrutiny for um using a young black kid kind of I see push I think that I think the movie did cover some of that, but maybe not enough. Like yeah, there was some yeah. controversy involved. Yeah, it, it, it made her look like a bit of a superhero when in reality right. it was a, a little bit more gray than that. You know? Okay, okay. Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, yeah so, back to um, the uh, yeah, a great Arsenal movie. <laughs> movie. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's only one good Arsenal movie. Okay. Another good sports movie, and I'm biased because I'm a football fan, is The Damned sure. United. Have you ever watched The Damned United? I don't think so. I haven't. What is it it's about? A, it's another famous actor. I can't remember. Is it something Sheen? Charlie Sheen? No, not, definitely not Charlie Sheen. <laughs> um, Michael Sheen. I don't know. <laughs> no, maybe it's not even a Sheen. Let me see. That's okay. We'll look, we'll look it up. I am Googling it right now. All right. So starring Michael Sheen. Oh, it is Michael Sheen. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So it starts Michael Sheen. It's the, the the story of the Leeds United team in the early 1970s. So I don't know whether, oh. obviously you don't remember because you weren't alive then, but um, yeah. I don't really know the story of the 1970s Leeds United team. So Leeds had this very big reputation for being a very bulldozy team. Right. They, they don't play particularly pretty football, but sure. they were very effective and they were very difficult to play against. I see. They would basically beat you into beat you by beating you right um, so, <laughs> okay. um and martin sheen's character was the famous brian Clough. brian Clough. yeah right so okay. he, he played brian Clough, which was the famous nottingham today we know him as the nottingham forest manager that won the champions right. league in the 1970s right. um right. but back then he was coming off the being the manager of derby county which was I a see. division two team that made their way to Division One, and then eventually uh, competed with uh, Leeds for the title. I see. And okay. What happens is the Leeds United manager becomes the England manager, so the role becomes vacant, and Brian Clough takes up the role as manager of Leeds United. While Brian Clough is very famous for playing very attractive football with his Derby County team, and mm. he used the last few years to be absolutely critical of the way Leeds United play. And now he's their manager. So all the people he was criticizing for the past few years are not players. <laughs> and his reign lasted like, I think his reign lasted only like less than two months. It's basically okay. a very, very short period. And the story of the damned United takes place over that two month or so period. So it's, that it's, it's a true story, extremely right. dramatic, but okay. very, very good. <laughs> that sounds like a very sad movie, a very sad ending. No, um, well, to be fair, Michael Sheen plays it very well. Um, okay. Bits of humor here and there, but it tells okay, a story fair. about, you know, how egos get in the way in sports sometimes. So most uh, sports movies, are, you talk about winning a trophy or, yeah. you know, the underdog story. So this one is just yeah, a yeah. very real human story. Right, uh, right. Of course, it tells the story of Brian Clough, the Leeds United manager that failed. But of course, sure. we, we watch it while already knowing that he would go on later to manage sure, sure, sure. and win the Champions League with them. Right, so there's right. a happy ending okay. that's just not covered in the movie, you know? I see, I see. It's one of those credit sequences with the text, like, oh, this guy went on to win this. Yep, and you know, exactly, yeah, never the yeah, same yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Yep, exactly. Okay, I like what you brought up about the ego bit, like the deeper meaning behind the movie, right? What's the subtext mm-hmm. and, you know, how we can apply that, you know, in real life as well, which is, you know, true. It's true that ego gets in the way of sports a lot. So yeah, um, I like I like that I like that you mentioned that. Yeah. What what kind of movies do you like? 
Um, well, I, I watch all kinds of movies. Uh, I'm not a big fan of horror, but other than that, I can watch oh, we, pretty much anything. We are anything. best friends, Nick. I, uh, okay. <laughs> I absolutely Man. despise horror movies. Okay, what is it that you despise about them? See, and I've, and I've told my girlfriend this multiple times. Okay. I pay good money to go right. to the cinema to be yes. entertained. Yes. Not to be scared my shit out of me, you know? Yeah, So you don't pay to I suffer. Do, I do not, yes, I do not. I'm, I, I am proud to admit that I do not want to be scared out of my pants in a movie theater, right? I'm paying yeah. good money. Make me leave with a smile on my face. <laughs> so sure, I, sure. I, I'm not I, a fan of horror movies. I get that. I get that. I, I'm the same. Um, I don't pay to go to a horror movie. I, I don't want to suffer. Uh, sometimes... Uh, if a horror movie is very well reviewed, I'll watch it regardless, but I won't watch it in the cinema. Like A Quiet Place, for example, a horror movie with no you sound. Wait, 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 stop, stop right there. Are you saying you, you watch A Quiet Place somewhere or you watch horror movies in A Quiet Place? No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm mean, talking about a, a quiet place. The movie. Okay, okay. That, that was a really good movie. Uh, no, I take that back. I have one good movie, one good horror movie. Okay. The quiet place was a good movie. Yep, yep. So I, uh, I like, I like the quiet place. I watched it at home, but I was scared out of my pants as well. I watched it with my family. I had to close my eyes mm-hmm. on and my ears on several occasions. Uh, I don't take very well to horror movies, so I don't, I don't go to the cinema for them. It's, I, I don't find it um, enjoyable. Um, but what I will say is that the reason I don't find horror movies enjoyable are the jump scares. I, I'm the type of person that I hate things that come out of nowhere. Even in real mm-hmm. life, if someone comes out of a door somewhere, I'm like, oh, I jump. And then they'll be like, oh, did I scare you? Like, oh, okay, that happens a lot. Horror movies are the same thing. Anytime there's a jump scare, even if it's not a horror movie, it's, it's something that I'm not a fan of. I think it's a cheap trick to get some thrills from the audience. It works sometimes. It does. It does. It's not a, it's not a blanket statement, but I think it's not for me. Right. Did you watch um, yeah. Bird Box? Uh, no, I didn't watch Bird Box, the blind Netflix movie, right? The one with the Sandra yeah. Bullock of the yeah, yeah. towel I, across I her consider, face. I consider it the knockoff of A Quiet Place. Right. Okay. Because it's about know, seeing, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you're probably more versed in movies than I am. But do you ever... I, I remember reading about this once that um, studios have a reputation for when they know there's a hit about mm-hmm. making a competitor for the sake of making a competitor. Like if you remember, right. I think, was it Disney and Pixar or was it DreamWorks? It's DreamWorks, right? Okay. Do you remember A Bug's Life? Yes, I do. The movie. Do you remember when A Bug's Life came out? There was also another movie called Ants. Ants. Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> I remember. That? I do remember. Yeah. That, I do remember. That, that is the, you know, the cheap cocoa crunch that you buy from Giant that doesn't taste like cocoa crunch. Yeah, yeah. And it's the too many cheaper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you know yeah, what? So I think Ants, the same Ants thing. was the cheap cocoa crunch. <laughs> yeah. To A Bug's Life. I think the same thing happened for Finding Nemo. I mean, I could yeah. be mistaken, but shark Finding steel, right? Nemo and the shark steel. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolute crap movie. And I, paid, <laughs> and I paid to watch the shark steel in the cinema. 
Well, I do remember the car wash song. That was the most memorable yeah, yeah. thing Chris, from the yeah, movie. Yeah, Christina, Christina Aguilera was a fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> totally. You know, I have to, I have to look this up. Did Finding Nemo come out before uh, a shark's tail or no? No, shark's tail came out first. So I remember because okay. I I remember this vividly because that was what made me Google why is it that these movie studios do this whole, you know, I come up with. Yeah. Movie with a movie with a very yeah, similar yeah, premise yeah. around the same time. So oh no, dude! I just when, looked it up. Shark right? Tale was two thousand and four, but Finding Nemo was two thousand three. So Finding Nemo oh, did really? come out first. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Globally. Yeah, it looks like it. Two thousand three oh. American computer animated, oh, that, and then uh, two thousand four American computer animated. Yeah. Because <laughs> I what I remember was um going to the cinema thinking that I had to pick for some reason between Finding Nemo. And Chuck's mm. I it's a false memory that I created right. for myself. But I remember thinking like I picked the wrong one because <laughs> <laughs> I ended up watching like Funny Nemo maybe a year or two later um, on TV right. and it was like way better. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah no, yeah. I agree. I agree. I mean, to be fair, movies are businesses, right? At the core. I mean, they, t- they tell stories, um, but they have to be profitable as well. So I, I try yep. to see it from multiple angles. Uh, you know, if you, you see a product that you think is nice, you try and copy and make it better. Yeah, it's yeah. the Samsung Galaxy Tab to the Apple iPad. You yeah. know, you want to you wanna lower the price. Fans <laughs> that, you're going to get a lot of yeah. Samsung fans upset with you right now, Nick. Okay, that's okay. I, I use a Samsung. I've been a Samsung fan for many years, but even I have to say that Apple entered the market first and Samsung, well, they didn't enter the market first, but they were the market leader and Samsung had to come up with something yep. to to compete against it. And they just made something that was similar with a cheaper price that they wanted market share, right? Yep. Yep. So that was their goal. And then Amazon did something similar. They decided that they didn't want to compete with Apple and Samsung. So they came up with the Kindle, which was which made money more from the purchases on the Amazon marketplace rather than the actual tab itself. So that yeah. was their strategy. So it's, just, it's all about strategies. And for movie studios, it's the same thing, right? So Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it's also about picking up on trends, right? So, I mean, the Shark's Tale Finding Nemo one was purely a case of, you know, one studio just trying to make sure they have a script out there, a movie mm. out there to compete with one. But generally, if we, if we look from TV today, especially in this Netflix era, Game yeah. of Thrones in the yeah. in the eight season span that it lived created right. so many fantasy medieval yeah. dramas. Loads. That is so ridiculous. Many. And it's everyone just yeah. trying to catch whatever bit of audience that tails off from that show, right? Yeah, totally, and, and, totally. And, and and it happens all over the place with all kinds of genres today. Yeah. I'm just yeah. thinking like if um we talk about Blade Runner, the one that, that came out uh yeah. last year. I think around that period yeah. before we saw like four or five sci-fi movies come out around, around the same time. Uh, Blade Runner 2049, was it? Yeah, yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Okay. okay. And then you know, Ready Player One came out around the same time. All these are book sci-fi movies. Yeah. Know? And basically it's all timed intentionally because you know one's going to come out and you're hoping yeah. people are going to, you're going to ride some kind of wave, right? Absolutely. Even now, like Dune is coming out this year or is supposed to come out this year, which was also oh, man, very, I'm looking forward to uh, it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it, so I'm actually quite curious. <laughs> yeah, I I love Blade Runner, but mm-hmm. I I watched um the original Blade Runner maybe yeah. a day before watching Blade Runner 2049 because right. 
I read the books and if and if you know the yeah. books they're not even called Blade Runner in the books it's called um Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep correct uh, by yeah. Philip K Dick so I read those the book years ago and it still is one of my favorite sci-fi books um oh, nice. not exactly the same the story sure um it's a bit more I feel the books is a bit more centered on the main character compared yeah. to the movies where it's more focused on the the environment and the world building okay. as a whole. Yeah, it's I absolutely love it. It's it's amazing. The the movie. The, the yeah, the movie, but I would not okay. compare it to the books. I think they're they're different entities. Sure, sure, no. I I, yeah. I think that's a great point. When you're adapting a book to the screen, the adaptation is very very important. I mean, you can follow the story exactly, uh, but for some books it's just not structured that way, right? So you got to yep. script it out properly. You know, in the case of Game of Thrones, where you basically overtake the author and you destroy the last two seasons of the show. Yeah, you could you could adopt that strategy too. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I have that dream in my head as well. You know, taking a property. Was, you know, Nick, I was so disappointed. I have I have a Game of Thrones tattoo. Oh you know? damn! Yeah, and 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 okay. I, I had obviously I read the books first, and okay. I loved that. I love that story. And I don't know if George R. R. Martin is ever going to finish the books, right? But I love that story. It made me a lit nerd, right? Yeah. So okay. I, I loved it so much that I got a huge ass tattoo on my right arm Damn. because of right, it. Right, right. And I was I so didn't even notice it. <laughs> and I was so disappointed in the last two seasons. It was, oh man, I... I don't even like Daenerys and I did not like how that show ended. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I'm with you in the fact that the last two seasons didn't work out for me. I don't think I'm as disappointed as you for sure. I didn't read the books. Uh, I was a late comer to the Game of Thrones wagon, uh, Game of Thrones party. I, I watched, I think I started watching it when it was season six, when season six just finished. And I think that you season six up. is one of the best seasons. Yeah. So I was expecting so much um, after season six. And I when I watched right. season seven with the rest of the world and... It just fell flat. I, I really think that the season the seasons fell flat starting with seven. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. you know, they, they take a dump on eight, but seven is where it really started. That's yep, just exactly. my opinion. <laughs> and you know what you know what's the worst thing? It took two years to complete the shit show that was season eight. Yeah. Two years. Yeah. That's yeah. a long time. Two years <laughs> to make six episodes that weren't even that good. So disappointing. Anyway, yeah. two more interesting topics. What are you binge watching since you're a, you're a big movie buff or mm-hmm. TV show? Since you're stuck sure. and this show is sure. a cabin fever, you're stuck at home. What are you, what are you watching? Yep. Okay, so there's two things I'm watching. One is a TV show. One is a movie series, I suppose. I'll start the TV show first. Uh, I'm watching BoJack Horseman because this final season just finished. And I decided that it was, you know, the reviews were so good the ending seemed to stick the landing. So I thought that I would start. And honestly, I'm on season three now. It's been a blast so far. It's it's so good. I, and it exceeded my wildest expectations. I don't know if you've ever seen an episode. I, I've never. So correct me if I'm wrong. The premise is it's a post-apocalyptic world where animals and humans have kind of blended. And so you have talking animals and whatnot, right? And they're human-sized, right? Do you know what? I don't even know if it's a post-apocalyptic world. It just seems like the world that they live in is already meant to be. It's already meant right. to be. So that it's half it's of the like people a parallel people. universe, is it? Yeah, it's a parallel universe. I, I okay. hope you didn't spoil it for me, but uh, yeah, let's, let's assume that you didn't. <laughs> I hope <laughs> not. 
<laughs> okay, but it's okay. I mean, like, I think it's such a good series for how it showcases the fact that the world is filled with a lot of people that want to be happy and they want to make they w- they want to make themselves happy. But sometimes when they're not happy, they make other people unhappy as well. And those unhappy people make other people unhappy. So there's this vicious cycle of people wanting to be happy, but they're not happy. So they just make other people unhappy. So I think it's much deeper than the title seems to suggest or maybe the premise seems to suggest because uh, at the start, right? I mean, it must be quite mm-hmm. weird for a start, someone who just started watching, hey, half, half of the people are animals and half of them are human beings. How, how does that even work out? <laughs> but, but in Bojack Horseman, like everyone is... The animals are legit animals and it's weird because the chickens are human-sized. So they have like chicken heads that are human-sized. The horse is human-sized too and the horse has hands instead of hooves, you know? And, you know, the fish, they can breathe in in the open air Um, and they can talk and they have big fish heads and the dolphins can talk as well and they all have they're all human size. <laughs> I don't right. know what to say. I don't know what else to say, but it's so a good is, show. Great show. Is it, is, it, is it worth starting off now? Definitely. Yeah, since we know where it ends, we know that right. according to the consensus, it ends well. That's good criteria for me to start watching it. And it's, you know, it's low commitment, 30 minutes per episode. I can watch one per day and I can, you know, finish it uh, with, with relative ease, I guess. Right. And, and what about, you said you were also watching a movie, right? Oh yeah, yeah, the movie series. So yeah, um, not sure if you know, but Netflix has uh, struck a deal with Studio Ghibli, the Japanese mm-hmm. anime studio, the very famous uh, studio, to show all their movies on Netflix. So all the Studio Ghibli movies um, are currently streaming, or they are about to stream on Netflix. So I've been going through all of them. I think they're about twenty-two. They're about twenty-two movies in this um, wow. production studio's uh, portfolio. So I'm going through all of them, and you know it's been a blast so far. You can really see the care that they put into their artistry because it's all hand-drawn, right? Most of the movies are hand-drawn animation. Mm-hmm. So, and then which uh, one's your favorite? Uh, my favorite. It's a cliche answer, but it's got to be Spirited Away. I think Spirited Away is 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 definitely up there in terms of not just the best anime movies but the best animated movies period um i think if you check imdb you'll find that spirited away this japanese animated movie is the top ranked animated movie of all time uh, Mm -hmm. as ranked by the people right and i do think it deserves it it's a very creative movie Uh, it's got amazing music one of the best music i've ever heard in a movie of any kind i've been playing the soundtrack on repeat for all their films while i'm doing my work during the day during this constricted uh, period this what do you call it a restricted movement MCO? order yep. right yeah mco right um so i've been i've been going through all that so that's my my binge that's my that's my movie series binge um i would do recommend it if you haven't seen it spirited away check it out mm-hmm. it's streaming on netflix <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's always been one of those movies where, you know, you get bored and I Google best movies of all time and yep. it always pops up somewhere near the top, you know? And right. it's even higher than Toy Story usually. For yeah. some reason, I've just never, never clicked on it, never decided to watch it. So maybe this is the right time. 
it is definitely the right time, um, especially if you, <laughs> yeah, especially if you have a Netflix account, right? You are stuck indoors. Yep. What else can you see? But anyways, I'm sure you're binging something as well, right? So yeah. What else what can are I you see? I, I am obsessed right now, Nick. I am obsessed with Korean content. So I will tell you this. Really? In the past, in the, in the past year or so, I've become a huge K-pop fan and I'm not even joking. Okay. Okay. okay, so okay. I'm, I'm into Blackpink. I'm into BTS. Oh, nice. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm not ashamed of it at all. Um, no, sure thing. Go for so it. Recently, I watched Parasite as well. Uh, in oh, the, nice. Um, Great the, movie. The private cinema in PJ, the one that cinema spelled backwards, um, Amanik. Amanik. Okay, yeah. I've been there. Great, great, great theater. Great establishment. Yep. I would recommend. So, <laughs> watch Parasite. Loved it. But right now, I just finished season two of Kingdom. On Netflix. Kingdom, I see. So okay. Be, be, before I even sp- speak about Kingdom, I would like to say that I'm the kind of person who hates watching movies in their original language. I hate to say this; it's it's a, it's a really bad thing to do. I okay, no, watch, fair enough. If I can, if there's a dubbed version, I will watch the dubbed version simply because I am not a good multitasker. Okay. If I am reading something, I am not looking at it. <laughs> you sure. get what I'm saying? So Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. So when I watch Money Heist, did you watch Money Heist? No, I've heard good things, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, so Money Heist is a, is a Spanish show. Um, it's Spanish, yeah. Obviously, in English, it's Money Heist. I don't know what it's called in Spanish. Um, <laughs> um, I think it's a okay. paper castle, or however it's said in Spanish. Anyway, sure, sure. So in English, it's Money Heist, and I watched it in English. And I told my okay. girlfriend specifically, I don't want to read subtitles because I'm just going to end up reading it. And if I'm going to read it, okay. I'm going to read a book, right? So, right. But the director of Parasite, I remember when he took the award, I can't remember for mm-hmm. at which award ceremony. Yeah. He said like your horizons or your experience, movie going experience would change tremendously. Um, and I'm paraphrasing here. If you just decided to read the subtitles. And I found correct, that very, correct. very um, insightful. And I said, you know what? I'll read the subtitles for Kingdom instead of watching the dub version. And I think okay. it really helped because the you get a bit more verbal feedback of whether the verbal expressions from the characters. I think the issue yeah. you have with dubbed shows, sometimes the voiceovers don't project the right emotion. Um, and it mm. feels a bit weird at times. And I remember yeah. watching, uh, what is the name, uh, Money Heist once and remembering there was a scene where one of the right. characters spoke in English. Right. And the character in the original Spanish version said, no, you speak in Spanish so that we could understand you. Right. Okay. So, I see where the conflict but, arises. Yeah. But because the show was dubbed in English, the character did not say speak in Spanish so we can understand you. The character said, hurry up. <laughs> so oh my it, days. It ruined okay. that whole interaction. Oh right? so my days. Now, okay. now I understand why people say just read the, read the bloody subtitles. Right? So anyway, back, back to Kingdom. I have fallen okay. in love with this show. Sure. So okay, I, why? I, what I knew going in was that it was kind of a Game of Thrones copycat, which is fine. Okay. There's a ton of them. The Witcher is a Game of Thrones copycat. There's a yeah, bunch you could of say Game that, of Thrones yeah. copycats out there, yeah. right? Um, which, by the way, I liked The Witcher as well. I felt it's a very good, relaxed version of Game of Thrones. It's not as high. Yeah, as I like it. 
right? a casual watch. <laughs> yeah, and I can turn it off to every every episode. I don't need to kind of what's going to happen next because there's no real cliffhanger. It just seems totally. to be around and killing around. I'm totally with around, you. Yeah. Totally with yeah. you. Yeah. So anyway, that's The Witcher. <laughs> Back to The Kingdom. What I liked about Kingdom, even though it's a Game of Thrones copycat and some parts of the storylines is almost a carbon copy of Game of Thrones, mm. is that they introduce an uh, a twist element that makes it somewhat of like a horror, somewhat more kooky okay. um, medieval story. And I don't want to say right. more because I might spoil it for you. Okay, but, so it's a genre switching kind of thing, is it? Yeah, yeah. You would think it's Game of thrones but it's not. There's that political element, okay. which is Game of thrones but beyond that, it's a very different story. It's really interesting to see a... Asian-based medieval story. And I know there's a, there's a ton out there, but I've mm-hmm. always found them to be a bit more over-the-top and over-dramatic. It feels, yeah. it feels yeah. like an Asian soap opera. Most there's of more melodrama than drama. Yeah, right? yeah. So with Kingdom, I felt this was a very Hollywood-style drama, which was very, very Okay. Good. Okay, well, I, that sounds good. Like, two now seasons. you've gotten me excited. Yeah. So there's, there's, there's two seasons so far. I heard the third's coming out. Yeah, okay. it's only six episodes per season, about an hour long. Oh, so you can, okay. Like, binge watch it. I watched it in three that days. Sounds, yeah, that sounds much more palatable because I don't think I'm very good at TV shows. I'm more of a movies guy, so I watch a lot of movies. So you say movies like Parasite, like Okja, like Snowpiercer, which are all Bong Joon-ho's movies. Um, I've seen them all, but I've not, I, I would not touch the kingdom. I, I don't think I've ever completed a Korean drama before. So, you know... Maybe this one is one yeah. to start off with. I don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I never watch a Korean drama before this. So, but then again, I never watched a Korean movie before this, and I never watched a K-pop band before this. So, oh the- wait, so Parasite <laughs> was your first? Parasite was your first Korean movie? Yeah, unless you can name another Korean movie that might have been very popular that may have forgot. Uh, Train to Busan? Ooh, I did not watch that. (laughs) No, but it makes sense because the horror thing. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) We've covered this already. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but what did you think about Parasite though? If you've seen it and it's the first Korean movie you've ever seen. So, here's the issue. Okay, so I, I did what everyone told me to do, which was that don't read anything about the movie before watching the movie. Okay. Because... You see the name Parasite, you think it's yeah. a horror movie. And I think Maybe, that's yeah. part of the intention, right? Okay. You don't know what it's about. So I thought, yeah. okay, if you should not know what it's about, go in with your eyes closed and see what happens. So mm. that was a that's great nice advice. surprise. That it was that it wasn't a horror movie. Right? Okay. But also the right. fact that he had already won the Oscar by the time I went and watched it, I think uh, played a part in, maybe I had too high an expectation of the movie. Mm. Sure. I expected this to measure up to maybe pass Oscar-winning movies that I had. I was a very big fan of, so mm. I expected something completely innovative. You know, like from an artistic point of view, completely mind-blowing, which it wasn't. Sure. Um, the I, I don't want to make say any spoilers, but the main um, the climax, the climactic scene where. Mm. Something happens. <laughs> yeah, the the let's was it the birthday party? It was a birthday party, right? Okay. Is it birthday party? Yeah, at the birthday party. I'll yes, it was. It was. <laughs> yeah, at that birthday party scene, I could predict every single step of what what was going to happen. Okay. Uh, yeah, which I felt was kind of disappointing because I don't like 
I like movies where I can't predict what's going to happen next. So I felt it was a bit predictable, but I still found Fair it enough. a really enjoyable movie. And I mean, it doesn't take anything away from it. I, if you ask me whether I watch it again, I'd watch it again. But my, maybe my expectations were a bit too high and I was expecting, you know, something like The Departed or... Sure. One of my favorite movies, basically. I guess. I guess that's fair. I mean, if you watch it after it won all the awards, it's really, really hard to set your expectations lower. Yeah. Um. So I watched it in August when it first came out in Malaysia. Believe it or not, I, I dragged my dad to the cinema. And we watched it, and we absolutely loved it. Um. It was obviously it had won all the awards, but I knew it was sort of an uh, awards contender. Some of the critics were saying that it would win Best Picture. There was a lot of pushback against that because at the time it was still quite early in award season. Mm -hmm. But I thought that it was definitely deserving of at least a nomination. And you know, it was, it did, it did get a nomination and the win, which I think was deserved. And I feel that you did mention about, you did mention the creativity or the innovation that you expected from this kind of movie. I would argue that the innovation was actually there. Uh, it's something that you have to maybe take a closer look at. There's mm. a lot of things to do with Nick, camera. Are you telling me I'm I'm too dumb to understand the intricacies no, no, no. of the movie? No, 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 not at all. Not at all. No, look, I I've, I've seen the movie twice. I didn't get it the first time. I knew there was some in my initial review. So I did a movie review of this on my channel. And what I said in my review was, it's the type of movie that I think a lot of people will see a lot of metaphors in. Uh, as they analyze it in the future. And I, I was right at the time, but I didn't know what those metaphors were until I actually looked at critics and what they were saying, looked right. at all the analysis pieces that were coming out. And I didn't make an analysis video of it because everyone had already covered pretty much every single second of the movie and what it meant, what every single decision represented, what it symbolized. So I found that, I found those things very, very intriguing. And that really put me in their corner for the Oscars campaign that they just did. Mm -hmm. Question. Since you yes. said, you know, you've, you felt they, they were worthy of at least nominations. Um, mm -hmm. You watched Uncut Gems? I did. Do you think it was worthy of at least a nomination? It was definitely worthy of an, a nomination for Adam Sandler for best, uh, best lead actor. Yeah. I would say it would deserve a nomination for best original screenplay or maybe best adapted. I'm not sure which one it was. Was it based off of something? No, I think it was an origin, original script. So best original screenplay, I would put that in the conversation as well. I don't think uh, it gets into any other category. It might be an unpopular mm -hmm. opinion, but the caliber of the movies that came out in 2019 were pretty solid. So, you know, some, some good movies are going to be left out. I mean, I did you think that they deserved more? Okay, so I, I don't agree that Adam Sandler deserved the nomination. I think everyone's jumping the gun because Adam Sandler has just had his reputation of doing just enough to get his paycheck. And a lot of people thinking mm -hmm. that he finally tried, so let's give him a nomination. I think he did a good job in his first serious role in a long, long time. But I don't think it's a particularly extraordinary job, if that's fair to say. Um, so I don't think I would give a nomination to Adam Sandler. But okay. I do feel the directors and okay. maybe like what you said, the screen adaptation deserve something mm. because that sure. that style of cinema, what do they call it? High and high anxiety cinema. Yeah. If I, if I remember correctly, that's what the, the Safety brothers called it. It's absolutely crazy. 
I've never it is quite felt, crazy. I've never felt so stressed out watching a movie in my life. It, and it I, is incredibly it, stressful. Like, I don't even find it that great of a movie. But the fact that they managed to pull me in emotionally and made me mm. so annoyed and worried about this stupid character that keeps yeah. <laughs> making mistakes every step of the way. Right? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely amazing. Right? So maybe not Adam Sandler, but I feel the, the movie deserves something. Sure, sure. I mean, the Safi brothers did win at the Indie Spirit Awards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but it doesn't count. Come on, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> if you watch Adam Sandler's Indie Spirit Awards yeah, speech, I, I, yeah, yeah, that yeah. itself yeah, I, should win I saw something. That, yeah, so that speech is worth more of an award yeah. <laughs> than his performance in Ankara. That speech is really, really good. Okay, ha- have you seen the Meyerowitz stories? No. It's a movie that's directed by the same guy who did Marriage Story, okay? Uh, and okay. Adam, Sandler, Adam Sandler stars in that movie. And it was released two years ago, or maybe three years ago. I can't quite recall, but at least two to three years ago. And it was another serious role for Adam Sandler. He plays a character that is uh, somewhat similar to, you know, someone who isn't the smartest guy in the world, which, you know, he is, has a reputation of playing. But he plays it so well as well. It's a very, it's a dramatic role. It's a serious role. It's a very okay. poignant role. And I do recommend watching that if you feel that Adam Sandler phones it in a lot, which is true. But when he goes serious, he is a serious actor. And with this movie, Uncut Gems, as well as the Meyerowitz stories, uh, I think he proves more than his worth. That's just my honest opinion. <laughs> Let's spend 10 minutes talking about something that you're well-educated in. Um, you have a degree in biotech, right? Yes, that's correct. I wouldn't say that means I'm well-educated. But... Well, I said educated. Okay. I didn't say knowledgeable. So... <laughs> okay, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. But let's, let's try to give it a go, yeah? So we're, okay. we're stuck. It's cabin fever, right? And the reason why we're stuck here is because of COVID-19. So you're yep. the first person. I mean, you're the second person on the show, but the first person with some kind of medical knowledge. Sorry, JJ. So help us, <laughs> Sorry, help, JJ. <laughs> help us um, kind of draw this picture. How close are we to seeing the end of COVID-19? How close are we to a vaccine? Okay, so at the moment, a vaccine, unfortunately, is quite far away. That's the honest answer and the most realistic one I can give you. There isn't a cure for COVID-19 yet. People have used antiviral drugs for HIV and Ebola to try and stop the symptoms, but it hasn't cured the virus. Uh, A vaccine is maybe about 12 to 18 months away. That's according to the experts. And that's with all the funding that has been pumped into this project. We could be lucky. We could see something closer. But the fact is there are a lot of regulations and testing that needs to be done between then and now for a vaccine to be released. And that's why it takes such a long time. What I do know is that the coronavirus now, the COVID-19 virus is extremely contagious and maybe that Mm -hmm. might have something to do with it. Uh, There was a study that was done recently where they showed that compared to the flu, the COVID-19 virus actually binds about 10 times more effectively to our human cells. Uh, So it clings on tighter and that's why it's even more contagious than the common cold, the the influenza virus, right? So that's worrying on its own. In addition to that, the COVID-19 virus has what we call an SSRNA inside. So in the middle of the virus, sorry, I'm getting a bit sciencey here, but in the middle of the virus, there is 
something like our DNA, but it's called an RNA. It's, it's similar. It's not the same, but it's called an RNA and viruses with RNAs like this, they can mutate very quickly. They can mutate more easily. So when people transmit the virus, the challenge with creating a vaccine is to target the virus as it mutates. And that's, that's almost impossible because you can't design uh, something that, and then change it. You can't design a vaccine and then change the, the molecules in that vaccine halfway through, right? Right. So it has to be something that is effective or at least is effective for different strains of coronavirus, um, like different strains of COVID-19 even. Uh, I'm not sure if you're aware, but even the COVID-19 strain that was in Wuhan is a different strain from the one that's being spread all across the world right now. I hope I'm not spreading misinformation, but I do think that this is the case. Uh, the viruses are not exactly the same. I have heard that the one in Wuhan is actually more contagious. And that's why so many people died in such a short space of time. The one that is transmitting across the world now is also contagious, but it's a different strain. And it may be because people are transmitting it uh, and the virus is changing as it's being transmitted through different people. Or right. maybe it's to do with temperature. I don't know. There's a lot of things that I don't know. There's a lot of things that the experts don't know either. So until we know the mechanism of action and fully understand how the virus works, um, I think that it will be difficult to create a vaccine. So sorry yeah. to put a downer on that. <laughs> That's fine. But I think uh, also, right, I think it's important. Now correct me if I'm wrong, right, Nick? Um, it's also important for people to know that I have a lot of people telling me, you know, the flu still kills more people. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's just as dangerous and blah, blah, blah. Um, not, yep. not to say that they're not right, um, but the reason why COVID-19 is so dangerous is not because the virus itself is lethal. It's because of how quickly it spreads and how yep. much of an effect it can have on our healthcare system. If it overwhelms Absolutely. our healthcare system, then they're unable to cope and mortality right. rate goes up, right? Right. So, which is why you see in, in countries where they don't have that many cases, mortality rate can remain low, while in countries, as soon as you see a big jump in the number of cases, the number of deaths rise as well, as doctors and nurses have to start making decisions on who they, who they want to save, right? So it's not Absolutely. so much the virus itself, but the, rather the effect it has on our healthcare system and our, the health, our healthcare system's ability to cope with that sudden increase in traffic. Right, you, you hit the nail exactly on the head, Sandeep. Government policies have changed. They've U-turned over the course of a couple of days based on research that shows that their healthcare systems will be overwhelmed if they continue along their current uh, approach to trying to solve the virus, to trying to deal with the virus, right? So uh, for all the listeners out there, I'm not sure if you are aware, there's two main types of strategies for dealing with the virus. There's a suppression strategy and then there's a mitigation strategy. So mitigation means the virus comes about, you deal with it, you treat, you treat it as it comes up. Okay. Uh, and suppression is currently what we're doing now, I believe, which is staying at home. All the shops are closed. We're almost at a lockdown stage and that itself prevents the spread of the virus or at least it slows it down. I think the phrase is flattening the curve, which is... Yep. Quite a common phrase, right? Yep. Okay. So 
a lot of some some governments, uh, say the UK, for example, they adopted a mitigation strategy. So they wanted to treat the virus as it came about, um, and the the rationale for that was that people will get immunity after having been infected and recovering because now your body is used to the virus. It can build up antibodies to fight the virus in the future. However, we did talk about the mutation earlier, right? So I don't think the government considered the mutation thing when they were using this strategy. So this research paper came out and said that if the government of the UK followed this strategy, there will be way more deaths because the healthcare system will be just so overwhelmed. I believe even with the most stringent strategies, uh, the number of ICU beds that you would need in order to treat all the patients is many times more than the actual number that they have. So that's right. bad. <laughs> right. And, and of course, I mean, mitigation probably works if every country works in a silo, but the reality is we, we live in a globalized world, right? And now Absolutely. The, the UK is turning into the biggest exporter of COVID-19 because I remember reading um, this morning that both China and Singapore are reporting that foreigners bringing in the virus um, I see. Are, are both coming from the UK. I think China's 84 people from the UK right now um, oh, have wow, brought okay. in the virus to China. At least um, Singapore I, I didn't know similar. that. So, you know, the, the UK may be trying something, but the reality is what happened is that people leaving the UK and not bringing the virus with them to other countries. Yeah, I do believe there's a sense of urgency that pretty much the whole world needs to adopt right now. I mean, our PM has ordered us to stay at home. So we should stay at home. It's for the safety of you know everybody around us, the people that we know. Um, so I feel that, that that kind of strategy, although it may seem a bit draconian, it's something that you have to live with if you want your loved ones to be you know, safe, you know, the maximum chance of safety. I don't know if you agree or not. Yep. I completely agree. And I think that's a, a important line to end today's podcast on. Thank you very much, yep. Nick, for joining us today. Thank you very much, Sandeep. I appreciate it. Hopefully the next time we speak, you'll be talking about what we've done to get rid of COVID-19. I hope so too. <laughs> I believe on your previous show, like your guests brought up a very good point and, uh, and that's to thank everyone who is on the front lines right now. The sacrifices that they're making is growing exponentially now and you know, much admiration, respect and all the love in the world to everyone who's dealing with this virus on the front lines. On the front lines, sorry. So true. And stop lying to them. That's the most important thing. Tell them the truth. Yeah, Totally. <laughs> Transparency is very important. Yep. All right. Okay. Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Sandeep. Appreciate it again. Cheers.